0: episode 291 The Rant Mike Woodhouse current assistant coach for Locust Valley High School Chaminade alum St. John's alum Retro God I knew what he had a throwback sense of style in this pie, we chop it up with Mike on Christmas Eve to talk about his love of retro gear his experience at Chaminade High School and St. John's University his long and winding road being an assistant of the Stony Brook women's basketball team running it at Glen Cove High School and what the future holds in his coaching and training career all that and more my conversation with Woody now. The rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury train station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800 square foot cyclorama wall studio, a state of the art recording studio. Three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolis decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for The Irrefutable Magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are the Irrefutable. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest at live at Sousa. We're taping this on Christmas Eve. Happy holidays to you and yours. But I got a super special guest, somebody that's always in the building. I guess he's doing PT, trying to get on the road to recovery. But my man, Chaminade Alumni. Somebody that's just a retro god from me, as far as I'm concerned. He's laughing in the background, of course. St. John's University alumni, former video coordinator, assistant coach at Stony Brook University on the men's side. Glenn Cove, varsity head coach, former, and now he's a, a current assistant at Locust Valley High School on the boys' varsity. So just too much, too many accolades lot, for man. somebody that's never played uh, basketball. That's a lot, man. Mr. Mike Woodhouse, how are you, my I appreciate friend?
1: Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you having me.
0: Yeah, man. So we grew a friendship. I think uh, your boy Corey Long was was doing a podcast for Mike Kaplan, and you know it's it's been a pleasure to be just around this whole atmosphere because you know everyone to me is a, a superior athlete, and not even so much just the physical side of it. It's more of like right. you see everybody's mental out here, and everyone knows what it takes to get to that next level. So it's just like kind of an honor being here. How would you describe Sousa and the atmosphere that you see over here?
1: Oh, man, an, an honor is an understatement. Like, like you said, Corey, that's my little brother right there. He came to stay with me for a bit. He was here for like four or five months from Cincinnati. Uh, but it's, it's amazing. We got, even right now, four or five D1 athletes in the building. Yeah, It's a, uh, you know.
0: And th- and it's so matter afternoon. of fact. It's like, right. yeah, I'm going to ASU. Have you ever <laughs> been there? I I think it's in Arizona, yeah, it's like, right? like got
1: Rutgers in here, all these places yeah. Syracuse, all these things. These so these kids are so unassuming and that I think that's one of the biggest things about this building is it breeds that culture of like uh humility. Mm. Like nobody comes in here with an attitude. The, the best athletes that come in here, mm. a lot of them don't wear the the gear from their school, mm. you know, they don't say a word when they come in here. Mm. They just put their head down, do the work and you know, try to teach other people and that's, you know, I think a lot of that comes from Kaplan and how he leads and it's just, it's, there's not a lot of places like this, man. It's, mm. it's a really, truly a blessing to be here. To be yeah,
0: here. 100%. And it's a, been a blessing to meet you. I was considered somebody like you. You remind me of having somebody that wears a black hat. And I don't mean physically. I mean, metaphorically, you wear a black hat. You seem like you know the most but care the least, if that makes sense. <laughs> and I could tell that you're, 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 your wheels were turning when I was speaking to you. And I was like, okay, I, I know this guy has something deeply embedded in his brain. So I was really interested to talk to you. Um, At that time that we met, everything is completely weird, right? So I think this is a confluence of circumstances. When you think of Sousa, all of these athletes are here. And normally, I mean, this is December. I'd be in the middle of my basketball season. You'd be in the middle of your basketball season. You'd be doing practice at Locust Valley. I'd be reffing somewhere, or I'd probably be off today, but... This would probably be the only day where it'd be packed because right. everyone is in season doing their thing. Right. But it's been a weird thing because all the athletes have just converged because all they do is have training, and that's obviously because of the coronavirus. So you know, going back to March, um, first I want to know how are you holding up during the coronavirus? How's your family holding up? And when was the moment that you took all of this really, really serious?
1: Uh, I mean, I've been doing good. My family's been uh, healthy for the most part. Uh, you know, thank God. Uh, a couple people on the outside have have gotten the virus. So you know. All those people talk about it's fake and all that. That's that's for that's definitely not true. Um, taking it super serious. I mean, my my grandmother has breast cancer, so it's we've taken it really serious from the jump because we you know she's around me a lot, so we had to make sure that she was safe and taking her to doctor's appointments and all the, those kind of things. So you know we have been taking it as seriously as we can. Uh, you know, obviously masks everywhere, trying to stay in as much as possible. Uh, but even, even being here, it's, you know, they, Seuss has done an amazing job of keeping everybody clean, hand sanitizer all over the place. Everybody get their temperature check when they walked in, you know, keeping visitors to a minimum. And, uh, you know, it's the type of people that are in here that you could tell they're taking it seriously and they, you know, they, uh, they're all doing their part to keep it down. So it's, it's been pretty good so far.
0: If I know you the think the way I think I know you, um, you are probably watching the NBA that day when everything canceled. I was in the yeah. midst of an adult league game when I found out that the Jazz and the Thunder got canceled yeah. inexplicably. Oh now, God. it wasn't inexplicably to me because I already knew what was happening in China. And I think just us in the United States as Americans, we just have hubris like coronavirus. Yeah. That's not going to happen to us. No. It's the <laughs> and, worst. And it's, our and it's ball, honestly. yeah, honestly, it, it really is. Ball. Where were you that day, and when was that moment when you were like, okay, well, this might derail a lot of my plans moving forward? When, what was that moment for you like?
1: Uh, I have a kind of crazy story. My, that moment for me, uh, I was actually at the Big East Tournament at Madison Square Garden when St. John's was playing Creighton. Uh, I was at that game. Uh, at halftime, they you know they go in. We had heard about the NBA games, but you know they go into halftime. St. John's was up, obviously. We were doing great looking to make a run at the Big East title, and then uh, they didn't come out for halftime, and they made the announcement that the game was canceled. And it was just like, it was a big, I don't want to say a letdown, but you could you could hear the uh, the sadness in the crowd, because, you know, Mass Square Garden, regardless, is packed out, especially for a Big East tournament game. And to to kind of be at one of the last college basketball events or live sporting events of the year uh, was kind of cool, but, you know, it was really sad, you know, it, it just... It, not only for the kids who were playing at the time, but it was a sign of things to come. Like, oh, God, I guess, you know, what what's training going to be like this summer? What are our runs going to be like this summer? What's Sousa going to be doing? You know, those were all running through everybody's minds. And uh, that that really made it real for us. That, that was where it really hit home for me and a lot of my people.
0: That moment when everything canceled and you were subsequently coming back home, were right. you like, okay, this might be delayed for two weeks? Or did you think, like, in that moment in time, if you can go back— did you think that everything would be like, okay, Christmas Eve, we're talking about, yeah, everything is weird? Oh,
1: man, I I never would have imagined it would have lasted this long. When I heard the two weeks, I thought, I, you know, I, I was a little hesitant on the two weeks. It seemed like a little unrealistic, but at most I thought it would be like a month or two. I did mm. not expect it to be, what is it, nine months now down the line. We're sitting here on Christmas Eve talking about it still. and yeah. You know, who knows how much longer it's going to go. And, you know, finally the vaccine's coming out, so hopefully people take that and— People get back to, hopefully we can get back to normal lives. You know, not this new normal nonsense. I don't like that. Right. You know, I, I, I like the old normal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the old yeah. normal is what we need to strive to get back to. So, you know, as long as everyone keeps doing their part, I think we'll get there eventually.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, you can't download the, the vaccine uh, right. on your phone and like lick, <laughs> lick your screen or something. But um, hopefully yet. we remain safe. And, and who knows when this is all going to go. During this whole time of the coronavirus, what do you think you learned about yourself?
1: Man, uh... That's a tough one. I I almost want to say perseverance is a good one. Like just, just staying humble is is another big one. Mm. Uh, People come to me, people have come to me over this pandemic and they, you know, they didn't have a place to train maybe, or they didn't have anybody that was willing to train them at the time. So I would bring people and work out in the garage at my house or in the driveway or take somebody to the park. And, um, you know, just staying staying consistent. I would say consistency is the big one. Mm. It's, it's really It's been really hard. Everybody knows, you know, staying in shape, trying to work out at home without having access to a gym necessarily or going to a park to get shots up or, you know, just trying to maintain consistency in this environment has been really tough. But, you know, when you have other people pushing you, like, I, like you mentioned before, I had Corey Long living with me. You know, I invited him to live with me. I wanted him to be there. And, you know, how can I be lazy and not work when he's coming to stay with me to work, you know what I mean. So, you know, being held accountable is, has been a really big thing. And you know, everyone has dips and valleys and peaks and stuff. And just trying to, you know, when you go through a little plateau, trying to get over it, and you know, find that new peak and then keep going. So, I think that's been the that's been the biggest thing for me.
0: Yeah, I always say, at the end of the day, there's a new day, right? right. So, you could always make that flip and change. And of course, January first is coming up, so I'm I'm sure everyone's gonna make that man, flip. Man. Lord <laughs> willing. Yeah, we're Lord gonna willing. we're gonna try to do that. But you know, when I look at you. I remember one day you came here just inexplicably. I was like, yo, this guy got a 76er starter jacket. Like, where you from? You from my era? Like, what's going on here? You know, it reminded me of those days when the Buffalo Bills and the the Dallas Cowboys seemed like they were in the Super Bowl all the time. Everyone and their mama had that starter jacket. And I was like, this guy, what do do you know about all that? But you have such a deep affinity for sports, always rocking something. You know, having said that, just talk about where did you grow up what did you play growing up what did you play in middle school high school and in college
1: right uh well I'm from Greenlawn New York uh Harborfield school district tiny little town in Huntington uh grew up in the Harborfield district went to Oldfield Middle School all that public school baby and then when it came time to high uh, for high school I went off to Shamnad uh all middle school I grew up playing ba- it was baseball lacrosse football basketball for me I never really touched hockey or soccer I wasn't great with my feet um Got to high school. I played basketball at Chamna. That was when I kind of transitioned into you know you had to make that decision what sport are you going to mm-hmm. play. Uh, went with basketball. College I didn't end up playing anything. I played with a pretty solid AAU team. Uh, so I I could have probably played like D three maybe or something like that. Like I had those kind of opportunities, but I wanted to go to a school that I like was familiar with. And my father is a St. John's alumni also, so that was kind of where I got all my St. John's Redmen gear. Mm. And that's kind of he kind of built that love for me yeah. early on. And uh, so I got to go to St. John's, and then I was blessed enough to get a job as a manager, a student manager, with their basketball team. And that was really where I got my start, because I, I had always known I wanted to work in sports, you know, hopefully basketball specifically. And when I became a manager, it was like the world opened up. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a bigger fella, you know what I mean? I'm not a particularly small individual. So when I was a manager, I got to work with uh, a lot of the bigs. That was kind of my role, was hitting them with the pad and working them out and my, one of my big mentors was Coach Derek Martin, who played in the NBA for I don't know 12, 13 years. He was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he was one of the big assistants at Saint John's, and he kind of controlled the bigs. So he would have me help him with working out the bigs, and then it came to the point where he was like, "All right, you just take it," and then I was working out with bigs, and I I was working with these five, six, you know, five or six, seven footers, you know, highest level of college basketball. And, you know, they're not, you know, they're, they respected me enough to, you know, listen to what I was saying. They knew I kind of knew what I was talking about. And that was kind of where I discovered, like, man, like, I'm seeing these guys get better every day, like, and I'm helping them get better every day. Like, it was, it was, like, intoxicating. Like, mm. it was like a drug. It was yeah. like, I need that. And, uh, you know, I think that was really where I decided, all right, I'm going to get into coaching. Like, one way or another, this is what I'm doing. You know, come hell or high water, I'm this is what I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, I think it's worked out pretty well so far. I bounced around, but you know, that, that was really the, the kicking off point. And, uh, you know, I had, I I had opportunities to work with other people too, but that was the real, you know, once I realized I could do it at that high of a level, that was, that was kind of it for me.
0: Yeah. That's really cool. And that's like a recurring theme when I hear, uh, you know, just, just college coaches or high school coaches and they didn't really have that much of experience. And, you know, sometimes you, you, you size yourself up with these division one athletes and you're like, I don't belong here. And I, I feel the same way when I ref, I mean, I ref people that I would have no business playing bad. And listen, I'm good at basketball. You're, I'm yes, sure you're yeah. good at basketball. But it's like, you know, when you see the top of the top, you're like, oh man, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't belong here. But you know, I did want to go back to your high school experience because you went to a rival school. <laughs> Uh, you went to Chaminade. First of all, how did you end up there? If you live in Greenlawn, right. why didn't you go to St. Anthony's? How'd that happen?
1: You know, I, I, I did get into St. Anthony's. I, to be honest, I had a lot of uh, family friends that had gone through Chaminade and a few that were there at the time.
0: Yeah, they rope you in like they, that.
1: They really <laughs> did. They really, really did. And then, you know, they have the open, uh, what was it? It's like the open house for yeah. Accepted Students Day mm-hmm. and you go with your parents and it's like you see the brand new turf field and the athletic facility and it was just like, all right, this this is pretty cool. And then, you know, St. Anthony's, I did the same thing. It was gorgeous, also. But uh, it was, I don't, I'm not really, I, to be honest, I don't really remember the exact reason. I, I think academics had a big reason to do with it. You know, my father really drilled that in my head like, oh, this, you know, this kid goes there that we knew, uh, you know, he's going to Boston College. You know, it looks really good on a college resume. And that, I think that was the big one for me because I, I kind of knew, you know, back then I wasn't going to play in yeah. college sport. I wasn't, you know, that good of an athlete. Yeah. Um, so i was like all right what what's going to help me get to co- get to a good school what's going to help me hopefully get a scholarship somewhere you know and uh it was it was great i enjoyed it we i took the train every day and my both my parents worked for the railroad so i actually got to ride the train for free which was a huge blessing uh so i you know i, I saint anthony's always had a good reputation also but i i don't know there was something that drew me to shamnot and I'm, I'm i was really happy that i did it
0: yeah. yeah yeah i don't know anybody that really regrets it because even people that don't like it in real time the equity is still retained. Like oh, if God, somebody God. somebody tells you that, oh, I went to shaman. Same thing with Kellenberg. Oh, I yeah. went to Kellenberg. Oh, oh like, yeah. they treat you different as if like something has happened magically. But it's like you know what it is. Right. You guys fart and you right. guys talk craziness oh, yeah. and there's no girls and nah. you guys always take all the sacred heart dances and our lady. <laughs> now I'm just pouring on my, my own therapeutic feeling about you know You're just going wrong. to <laughs> You're not wrong. But um, you know, going back to that St. John's experience, um, you know, just the fact that your your father was a former, you know, Red Storm and. And how much that probably meant to you when you went and, you know, just watching a division one program day in, day out, you know, just on, on the managerial side. And just, of course, just, you know, being a student there. I know that when I applied there, I did get in, but at the time, they didn't have any dorm rooms, yeah. so it just wasn't happening for me and then I think o three was when they had dorm rooms, but just talk about your experiences being there
1: right uh I mean the dorms like like you just said, when I got there, the dorms were less than fifteen years old or something, so it was like beautiful basically apartment style dorms, like suites with eight I had seven roommates, my freshman year um, i I had a tremendous time i I would recommend anybody go to it you know it's it's not you know Chapel Hill North Carolina like a small college town with bars everywhere it's not like that it's you know it's very New York City Queens if you're familiar with Queens it's it's the heart of Queens you can't get, you can't get anything more diverse than that there's all types of people around all types of people at the school it's one of the most diverse schools in the country uh I made best friends from you know Texas to Hawaii to California and everywhere in between and you know it was just a tremendous experience it's it's, it's one of those places where it's um It's it's about as fun as you make it, you know. You gotta you gotta make the experience your own, and that being a manager definitely helped out with that. You know, that I I felt so blessed that you know that's not something everybody gets to experience, especially at a you know high level Division One Big East program with all these professional coaches and that whole staff that I was with. Uh, Coach Lavin's now back broadcasting with Fox, doing a tremendous job. But, like, Rico Hines is now one of the biggest names in the world in player development. Coach Martin, same thing, was a D-league coach. Uh, Coach Tony Childs went to be an assistant at Tulane. All these guys have really, you know, transcended St. John's and taken all those things to other places, and they still always come back to it. They still, all of them still talk about it, how they love that experience and love the people. And that team, those teams that I was associated with had, you know, probably 10 pros on them. And it it was just a tremendous experience. And the people, the people was what I really missed the most. Like people obviously talk about missing the college experience, you know, once they're out and stuff, but it's the people for me that I really, you know, that we, we ended school and, you know, some people went back to Hawaii. Some people went back to Texas and I haven't really got to see them, but we still keep in contact and all that stuff. But, you know, it was a tremendous, I, I would, I would highly recommend anybody to go there for
0: sure. All those heavyweights that you mentioned, I'm sure like, and, and I do this with volleyball as well. When I think about some players that aren't really hip to like championship habits, and I always call it championship habits, sometimes when you just watch an athlete day in, day out, you can't help but for it to rub off. So, you know, even if you don't have the pedigree and the resume of a Rico Hines or or, or a Coach Lavin, just being around them is like, you know what? I'm starting to feel like 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 I have the confidence as if even though you don't have the resume, you know, that's that's like a real thing. So, you know, having said that, when did you segue to your first coaching experience, if you could remember what that was like.
1: Oh, man, it was tremendous. I, it was actually pretty much right after college. I got a regular 9-to-5 office job about like two weeks after I graduated, and then that that was in the summertime. And then right around, I would say, October, uh, one of my other mentor, mentors, this guy Lou Chivetta from Northport, been a trainer on Long Island for 20-some-odd years, got more college athletes than just about anybody he he was a big mentor of mine. He knew somebody who was another former player of his, who was coaching at Half Hollow Hills High School. His name is Adam Sinigliero, another mentor of mine, tremendous coach, AAU coach and high school coach. And he Adam contacted me and said, Hey, I need an assistant. Lou recommended you to me. Would you want to talk about it? And so we had our conversations and then we met. And Adam gave me my first shot as a as a basketball coach. And I ended up coaching the Ren- Long Island Renegades with him. Big a, you know big AAU pro- program. We had like five or sixty one girls come out of that. And, uh, it was, it was, I was so happy just to, just to, for somebody to even like, you know, reach out to me and to, to want me on their staff. I was so excited. Yeah. And they're
0: like, I, I heard good things about you yeah, recommend, I, like recommend what? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I, I had, I was so, I didn't even know what to say. Yeah. I was so thankful. And then, you know, we get in there and, you know, I'm, I'm so hyped to go. I'm like, all right, I want to bring everything I learned from St. John's to, to this girls program. And, you know, I had to hit the ground running and, you know, I kind of take a step back. Obviously you make those adjustments, you know, working with girls and. Coaching Girls is one of the best experiences in my life. It's unbelievable. I think Coaching Girls is so much fun. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of success there and it was a great, great, great experience. And then I just kind of, Adam made it very clear to me. He said, I don't want you to be my assistant for more than a year or two. He said, if you're an assistant with me after two years, then we're doing something wrong because you're too high level to, you gotta, we gotta get you moving on somewhere. And for him to have that confidence in me and to, you know, kind of instill that in me really meant a lot. Hills East was, kind of where I got my first taste of wow some of these kids on coaching are actually going to progress to a different level like I had one girl who ended up playing D1 lacrosse another one ended up going to play Monmouth uh, basketball a couple D3 basketball players and you know that was outside of St. John's that was my first real development experience working with those kids every day and seeing them improve every day and we had a very young group at the time and like I said we had like four or five of them go to play college sports and it was just such a tremendous experience and then got to move on from there. Uh, Kaplan was actually a big uh, supporter of mine. He he was the one who pushed me to get to go for the Glen Cove head coaching job because I was working with him at the Luhai girls camp that uh, that summer. And one of my girls that we, me and Adam, had coached in, actually two of them that we had coached in uh, Renegades AU were at Glen Cove. They were two of the better players, and they kept saying for weeks, like, you know, we need a coach, we need a coach, we need a coach. So I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to put my name in and see what happens. And... I interviewed with AD and I was blessed enough to get the job and same thing kind of went back to the girl side and it was just a tremendous tremendous experience my first head coaching experience I got to bring in uh, one of my buddies from college who always wanted to get into coaching I brought him in as my assistant so he got it you know I got to let him be the be the good cop I was the bad cop a lot of the time and learned a lot about myself and about working with kids and it was just a tremendous tremendous experience like where, you know, I talked about it before, like working with girls is so different from boys. Like you tell, you tell this girl, okay, you you're going to the block. I want you to stand on the block and put your hands up. She's going to do that for 40 minutes. Like they take some things. So, so literally, but they listen so much better than boys more often than not. They don't act like they know everything, even at the high school level and a U level. Um, but it, it's been a tremendous experience getting to work with these kids.
0: That's a good answer, man. I was like, <laughs> I'm mesmerized by, I'm by what you're saying. Um, You know, as time has gone on, I think about the first time when I started coaching. I started in the early 2000s, and, you know, the world is just different. So I think about those water breaks, and everyone would just, like, flock into that. And then, you know, I'd say about maybe 10 years later, so about around eight years ago, it's like you see kids playing with their phone, and I'm like, what are you doing? And they made, like, a Snapchat filter. I had no idea what it was (laughs) at all, right? To just knowing that, you know, now it's a thing to, like, put away your phone and, And the kids communicate much differently. Sure. How much has your coaching philosophy changed, and and how how has it changed over the years with, with your relationship with kids? And, and
1: right, uh, well, that's a great question. Um, like my my I, my original philosophy when I was at Saint John's was, like, you know, I tried to adopt things from Coach Lab, who was a big talker. He would do, do an amazing job explaining things, and then you would have somebody like Rico Hines who would always tell you, like, you know. Like, I'm going to – this is an exact quote from him. He said, I'll keep it 100 with you regardless. Like, I will never lie to you. I will tell you exact – you know, I'm not going to just tell you something that you want to hear. He said, that's not going to help you as a player. And that, that was one of the things that really stuck with me. And, uh, like, I grew up training under Jerry Powell. So another no-nonsense kind of guy. Like, he's not gonna just going to take your money and let you mess around in his gym. It's not going to be like that. Like, he'd rather not take your money and if you're not going to work hard, get out. So that those are the kind of things that I adopted in the beginning – And I still use a lot of those, uh, but then you know you get to work with these kids, and you know you—they're not as—you know—they might not be mature enough to handle those kind of situations. So you kind of got to tone it down a little bit and adjust. Um, It's it's, really—it's—it's about making sure the kid. You know, everyone talks about having fun and stuff, but it really is my philosophy has really become about like having, having good relationships with the players, like regardless. Like Corey Long, for example, I. Haven't technically coached him in, like, three years, but he's become my little brother. He, You know, he lives with me when he needs to. Um, any Anywhere I go, Locust Valley, Glen Cove, anywhere, my priority is to get a good relationship with the kids. Like, I've... Locust Valley actually has a tremendous... I, I saw it on their weight room wall. They have a quote. They say, uh no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I was like, that That really hit me. I was like, wow, like that, you know, it's so true. Like even when I, when we were growing up, like I, you're not just going to listen to some random guy that's yelling at you because he, oh, I know what I'm talking about, da, da, da. Like you got to kind of earn that player's trust and they got to respect you. And, you know, they don't care. They literally do not care how much you know unless they know that they care about you. They're not going to listen to you. You know, I think that goes with, you know, a lot of aspects of life. And so that's kind of been my philosophy going forward is, you know, establish those relationships first. And once you have those relationships, then you can learn how, you know, obviously you can't coach every kid the same way. You know, some kids you can kick them in the ass and be like, hey, come on, let's go. Some others need to be coddled a little bit. And that's fine. You know, there's, neither of those is wrong. <clears throat> but, um, you know, you need to have that relationship for them to trust you first. And then once you have that relationship settled, then, you know, you can kind of push them and, you know, let them know I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you exactly what it is and I'm – Letting them also know at the same time, like I, you're only telling them these things to get better. You're not you're not trying to break a kid right, down. Right, to, you're not I'm not trying to break a kid's confidence. Like, what am I gonna? What do I get out of that? Like, I'm, I'm only gonna tell these kids something if I think it's gonna help them. Mm. And you know, we've taken that. I think we've t- done a good job of taking that approach to SUSE where you know we've had for the last two summers, we've had our pro runs and our college runs, and we've had all these high level people in here and I've, I've, my first priority was to develop relationships with these people. Like, if they, what are they going to listen to me for? I didn't play D1, I didn't play pro, but they know, you know, once I have a relationship with them and they know that I actually do know what I'm talking about and I have worked with pros and at, at these high levels, you know, and that I actually care about them, like, you know, they might take a little listen to it. You know, they, they're not going to just brush you off because they know that you're trying to help them. And I I think that has become a big thing. Yeah. Got to have the relationship.
0: Yeah. And your your genuine interest with people, you could tell it. It just emanates from you. But, you know, you were talking about caring about all these. You clearly don't care with the commute. Locust Valley and Glencove is like, (laughs) like, when I have a game, I remember I had a baseball game at Locust Valley High School. I'm like, bruh. (laughs) <laughs> why like why do I have to go into what is it like Chicken Valley Dude, Road? What whatever I, road it I is, I couldn't
1: even tell you. But it's so far up on the on the water. It's like, it's like why I got to be here. Got no And it's like up board, there.
0: Friends Academy, mm-hmm. Portledge, yep. that whole little triangle that of whole like whole schools. I don't want to drive to. I, <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I think my saving grace is that I went from the girls at Glen Cove to the boys at Locust Valley. So there's no, you know, they understand. And it's actually really it's been so good. Like last season was my first at Locust Valley, and one of our last games of the season, I think it was five of my girls that I had coached at Glen Cove that are now in college and stuff, they were home for break and they came and watched oh, like that's one cool. of my games. And I got to hang out with them, like, you know, a little bit of halftime, more after the game. But it was just like, I didn't even know they were coming. I just mm. saw them. I just saw five of them standing in the stands, one of them six foot three. So mm. I was like, holy, oh my God, like, what are they doing here? And it, you know, that it, they wouldn't do that if we didn't have that relationship. right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, they knew I cared about them. They cared about me. And you know, it, it goes beyond the sport, you know what I mean? It's more, yeah. you know, obviously, it's more about the people. It's not about, you right. know, who, who cares? You know, we won a league title at Glen Cove, great. But, you know, nobody even really remembers that. It's more about, you know, the times we had breakfast together and the mm-hmm. times we had lunch together and all that stuff and the bus rides. And, you know, I think that's what lasts. And, you know, those kids those kids remember that. Like, I remember it when I was a kid.
0: No, there's there's no doubt about that. And, and early on when I was coaching, I didn't think that – you would have that type of deep impression. But now I have like kids that you know, have been married for 10 right. years that have four kids. Yeah. And it's like, wow, I used to remember the things that I said 100%. when I thought it was like super doofy. But 100%. that's the type of impression that you have. But you know, you did mention Coach Lavin, your father, Rico Hines, um, just a whole bunch of just heavy hitters of who's who, of, of people that really care and are at a high level. Um, I just want to give you this opportunity to also shout out any other mentors that you have, list them, what they've done for you, and how do you think they've helped shape the way you Help people after you.
1: Oh man, uh, man, there's so many. Jerry Powell has been a huge one, even from when I was a little little kid. He his big thing was, he was he. It's it's incredible to describe. He has a way of bringing confidence out in people. You know, from myself to my brother, and that the lessons he taught. You know, I've taken those. You know, 15 years later, uh, my AU coach, Omar Kingston, who now runs a big training facility up in, uh, I believe it's in New Hampshire, but he he coached me in AU for a few years, and then. When I was at Stony Brook, we went up to Maine to play at Maine, and he called me up. He was like, yo, I'm coming to the game. Let me get a ticket. I got him a ticket. And he made, like, a five-hour trip to come see me sit sit behind the bench at at, at a Maine-Stony Brook game. And, you know, just that meant the world. Uh, Lou Chavetta, like I said, from Northport, unbelievable uh, player developer, unbelievable person. He coached football at Stony Brook for a bunch of years, and then he had daughters who wanted to play basketball, so he turned into a basketball trainer. Uh, Adam Senigliero, my father, obviously, I can't say enough about him. He taught me everything I know about anything. Uh, took me to my first basketball, forget basketball, first sporting event ever was a St. John's basketball game at Carnesecca Arena. And I, to this day, remember pulling into the arena. It's incredible. Um, Kaplan is another huge one. He probably doesn't even know that I'm saying this, but he's been a huge influence on me. Like I said, he he was one of the ones who pushed me to take my first head coaching job which really, you know, again, gave me, you know, pushed me uh, into more confidence. Uh, man, I, I
0: know I'm forgetting people. Yeah, and, and I just want to let you know that when this is published and you're going to get some text messages saying like, <laughs> yo, I thought I, I thought I thought I thought, I thought, I, didn't I help you? No. I know, I know,
1: I know I'm, I know I'm forgetting somebody. It's going to be tough. I'm going to give a shout-out to my little brother, man. He, he's another big one. He's two years younger than me, but he, he was one of the first people to really trust me with, uh, with developing his game. And like when I had just gotten out of college, he had transferred up to Stony Brook University and he had a redshirt year. So I was in there, you know, damn near every day working out with him. I drive up there, you know, it's 30 minute drive from the house, not a big deal. And we would have the whole arena to ourselves and, you know, working out with him and all. Then that turns into, oh, you know, this kid Brian wants to work out. So then we'd have two or three of his guys working. It always out. Always happens like it, that. It's unbelievable, man. It's like and that again, it could build it it goes back to the relationship sooner or later. You got three, four of these kids working out with us at a time. Who, I'm not on their staff. They didn't – the coaches didn't really know me. Coach Peichel knew me. He's another – oh, Coach Peichel, another great mentor of mine, unbelievable human being, doing a tremendous job at Rutgers. He's going he's gonna to do amazing things. <laughs> um, that year – well, the fo- that freshman year was a good year. The following year was my brother's first year playing at Stony Brook. They ended up going to the NCAA tournament. Same thing. I was working out with a bunch of their guys, like, you know, pretty much Daily. Uh, you know but their their coaching staff did a tremendous job with them they got to that tournament and then right around that time my brother didn't he, he's he didn't trust a lot of people with you know with working with him we had some weird experiences political like with politics and people working with certain people and so he really put a lot of trust in me to help develop his game and you know that that really did a lot for me confidence wise and You know, knowing that somebody that at that high level, even though they're my family, trusted me with that kind of stuff. And it it just bled over into teammates and other things. And it just it taught me a lot about relationships and things like that. But, um, yeah, so that that kind of translated into how I got to Stony Brook, actually, because I was in there for two, three years working with those kids. And then Coach Bowles came in another Coach Bowles, another mentor of mine, uh, uh, Gino Ford, current coach of Stony Brook, did a whole lot for me when I was at Stony Brook. He was, you know, super good to me. Really, really helped me a lot. Really, uh, we—I learned a lot from him. I think he learned a little bit from me, but I—he I, learned. I learned a lot from him, and uh, you know, I was blessed enough that when Coach Bowles took over my brother's senior year at Stony Brook, you know, same thing. I was in there every day working with those guys, and then when my brother graduated, Coach Bowles invited me to come into the staff, and that was a tremendous experience. I loved it. Loved it. I loved going there every day. Uh, you know, that was another thing. That was another time where, you know, I. I I had the confidence in myself, like I knew that I could work with these kind of guys because I had done it before, and you know to be brought into a D1 program as a you know kind of player development assistant, you know my technically I was a video coordinator, uh, you know it was it was humbling in the fir- in one way with all these guys being there, these high level guys, and then it was also you know a way to build confidence, and you know just tremendous experience. I could you know I could I would do it ten times again. I I loved every single second of it and learned so much and you know even though I'm out of the college game now you know I still take those lessons that I learned I use them every single day especially particularly here at Susa working with uh you know there's so many good kids coming out of Long Island like Jordan Riley for example Zed Key you know these guys are in here excuse me trusting guys like Kaplan and myself to help them with their game and you know that that's invaluable those relationships that we continue to build and it's just it it keeps going on every day man it's like every day something new you never know who's going to come through the door you know Danny Green's been here you know, the De- uh, Devontae and Dante Green are here all the time. All these guys, man, it's it's a blessing to be here. It really is.
0: Yeah, it's a super blessing, and I'm happy that I'm in the mix, at least just uh, trying to capture all of the moments of, of what, what should have been documented from, from <laughs> Jump, even though Mike, uh, you know, at the time, he was doing piecemeal of of getting people to right. do But that's an incredible man. This is an incredible situation. Um, all this time as a AAU coach, as, you know, you going to Chaminade, you <laughs> – at St. John's, being a fan, at Lou Karnaseka Arena, you being a manager, and then all of your experiences, Coach, what has your perception of officials been this whole time?
1: Oh, man, I I have so much respect for officials, it's not even funny, because I know I could not do the job. People people have asked me, like, oh, would you get into refing?" And I, I can't, because I, I know I've given refs so much grief over the years. <laughs> I know I have uh, Leon Martin, who's here all the time. Leon, he's coached, uh, ref everything from my men's league games to my high school games, and you know from the jump he was he's like the epitome to me like uh you know always professional like he'll never get mad at a kid or hold something against a kid cuz their mom is yelling or something stupid like that and it i've i've developed such a respect for people who who ref and it, it's I, you know, I've ref camps, and I get yelled at. So it's like I can't even, I can't, I can't even fathom refing a Suffolk County championship game mm-hmm. or something. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, the amount of pressure you must feel. Is, oh, yeah. It's incredible, yeah. man. It really, really is. I give you guys the most credit in the world because I know I couldn't do
0: it. Yeah, listen, the best way I could describe it is it let's say you're a player. Right. All right, I'm a point guard. I'm going to bring up the ball, probably pass it. I'm going to screen away, maybe cut. I know what my responsibilities. As a coach, you got your team. Right. Right? You only responsible for five people. <laughs> Check at the bench, like, all right, they're good. Everything's run. When you're a referee, you have to get out of the habit of watching the game. Oh, my God. To watch the players. I think
1: that would be the biggest thing I would struggle with personally. Right. I'd, 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 and I'd on top of that, watching.
0: in the beginning, let's say, hypothetically speaking, you were starting to ref. Yeah, this one thing to play all these years and coach all, but when you see it happen, you have to you have to pull the trigger. Oh, yeah. You have the gun, you have to pull yep. the trigger and you have to be okay with murdering people <laughs> all the time and there's and, and there's spectators yep. of watching you murder people. Oh, so when you do it, you go like, all right, he's going to be happy, he's going to be mad. Yep. Red 34, two shots and he's what like, what was that? Right. You know what it was? Oh, you know what it yeah. and you probably appreciate that you you hear how I'm saying it, right? We're oh, conversing. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It's not like I'm a cop. I'm yeah. telling oh. you like, nah, that was that yeah, that was illegal." What do you like What you want me to tell right. you? Cuz this is going to happen. I'm going to have a Locust yeah. Valley game. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure you will. We're going to have this this issue. Um you appreciate when referees have that Oh my god. That that communic that soft touch, that that communication skills and not being a cop.
1: Oh, 100%. It's like and I, I go back to Leon all the time like he he's it's almost like you're teaching, like mm. especially in a, like an AU environment with these young kids. Like it's not, I'm not making a call to ruin your day. Right. Like I'm not. Yeah. And you know, I'll, if people like Leon or, you know, even reffing a camp, like I'll, I, if I would make a call, like, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, look, this is what you did. This is how you can do it a little bit better. This is why, this is what I saw. And I, people that do it like that are you know that's a godsend as opposed to doing it as like a power chip like you know oh i'm in charge yeah i'm, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna call you know my what i say goes da, 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 like nobody really wants to hear yeah. that you know people that make it about themselves you know it's, every, it's at every level down, you know up to the nba people do that and you know you always got to have tremendous respect for people who do it the right way and are doing it for the right reason
0: right and,
1: you know they're doing it because they love the game yeah and, you know you do it because you love the game and you love helping kids and you know, you're not out there trying to be mean to the kids. No, or, no, no, know? no. It's like it's incredible. Who like there? It's it's terrible that there are people out there that do do that. But on the whole, I would say Long Island refing as a whole are pretty pretty damn good. Yeah. I, I've honestly haven't, haven't had really one single really bad experience with a ref on Long Island. They've all been positive, and really really good. And you know, it's not a coincidence that a lot of them go on to ref at higher levels. Mm-hmm. If that's the you know if that's the route they chose.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably don't have that feeling because you probably are accountable <laughs> right. for the things that go wrong right. when it doesn't go your way. 100%. And, and super special shout-out to Leon. Well, he's got to be on the show at some point. But, yeah. you know, I think about me and him. We have a competitive advantage when we officiate because we also coach. Right. So when I think about the game plan of what I do as a volleyball coach of knowing how much I prepare for a specific game— yep. You know, I'm gonna give the referee, and obviously, refing volleyball is much different. It's like, <laughs> like, can I talk to you? Okay, yeah, exactly. Can I say something? And <laughs> basketball, is like more in your face, and that's why I personally wouldn't never do it. But you know, we understand that when I hear a coach and he has, you know, just a general frustration and he's trying to vent to me, it's like, mm. okay, I understand how much you've prepared for this game. Right. I know how much this means to you, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you some grace and I'm not gonna be upset because I know that you're just trying to vent. Exactly. And, and also at the same time, I, I do like it because. You know, I think you're you really you're really showing how much you care, right? right? That that's also a byproduct of how much you care. But that's it's sure. good to know that you would never ref. You no, wouldn't even ref no, another no, sport. No. I,
1: I'll be honest with you. I got asked to ref a soccer game one time. No. I, I, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Confused. I, I, I could tell you what this one father was wearing. It stuck in my head so much. He, this guy was eviscerating me, and I I literally had to tell him, I was like, "Sir, I've never played soccer in my life. I got asked to help some. Like, I'm helping y'all out here. Like, I could just leave right yeah. now if you really want me to." Yeah. I'll go home. At, at, oh my goodness gracious! I I don't think I have it in me. Yeah, I used yeah. to I used to umpire at baseball. That uh-huh. was like one of my first jobs. Yeah, you know I love baseball too. But that I I would do that again. You mean like
0: little kid when you had the the oh, the, man, the, the Iron Man pad? Yeah, I love those.
1: Crouching down behind the catcher, man. Yeah. That that was fun. That I was I was only like a teenager doing that. That was like a little bit of a power Yeah, trip I, you know what? I,
0: I I did a varsity game with somebody that had that, and he was like, "Yeah, this this equipment has been grandfathered to me." I'm like, "All right, <laughs> all right, Iron Man yeah, one, exactly." Like you know, we've had some technological advances since right. then. But oh yo, that's incredible. To, e- to each their own. Right. Um, you know, after everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a basketball coach?
1: Um, honestly, I, I, I don't, I don't consider myself to be you know any smarter than anybody else, or you know to have any superior knowledge to anybody else. I've just, you know, I've loved the game, which is something that Jerry Powell taught me when we were young. He would say. You know, if you love the game, truly love it, you know, it'll and give it love, it'll love you back, and that always kind of stuck with me. I was like, all right, well, you know, I, I'm just gonna. St- I know this is what I'm happy doing. This is what I want to do, so I'm just gonna, you know, stick to it and keep keep grinding it out. And I think perseverance is is really the only difference between me and somebody else who you know might have might have stopped doing it a couple of years ago. You know, might not have achieved what they want or gotten to where they wanted to get to. And you know, I'm I'm nothing special. I just. Watch a lot of film and have been around the game for my entire life, and I enjoy studying the game. And you know, I have that love for it where I don't mind. I, you know, I'm watching two, three, sometimes four or five full games a day. Sometimes, you know, you know, college, NBA, whatever it is, and it's just studying the game. You know, my brother hates watching games with me because I like to rewind the game and I like to watch the inbounds play that Brad Stevens draw up, and I'll take a video of it and stash it in my phone, like uh, just little things like that. And I think just sticking to it, if you know, if if you want to coach lacrosse then you got to watch a lot of lacrosse and you got to you know be a student of that game and stick to it and I I think that's really the only difference is I just didn't quit you know I've worked for free I've I've worked for next to nothing I've worked people out for nothing I've driven to Southampton four times a week to work out a pro that didn't pay me a dime but he was a pro and I wanted to have that relationship with him and you know it's been fruitful so I think it's just having that kind of broad vision of you know the bigger picture of you know. I'm a sacrifice now to you know swim in the wealth later kind of deal and I I think that's been a big thing and that's another that's one of the big things my father has always talked about he's the one who really said you know if this is the route you want to go I'm going to support you 100% but you have to understand that you're going to have to sacrifice at certain times and it's you know it's not sometimes it's not going to seem fair and somebody might get a job over you that you think you deserve or something like that but you just you know if this is what you want to do then you got to grind it out and you just got to stick with it and I think I think it's been pretty I think it's done pretty well for me you know I I'm happy with you know I I can stand by every decision I ever made every coaching decision I you know every every time I had to switch jobs or any time I you know when I decided I wanted to be a trainer like a personal trainer for people you know I stand by that decision and you know I think I think being comfortable with yourself and the decisions you make is you know it's it's invaluable.
0: Yeah. Those are all salient points. I I think about this it, to me it's just been a recurring theme of How I got to where I am with referee ram, with officiating. Uh You can't put a dollar sign on an opportunity. Right? So, you know, me and Mike, we just have a gentleman's agreement. We're going to get money together at some point. Right. Right. But you see what's going down. I mean, it's, it, 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 he loves what he's doing now. Like he's a podcast officer. That's like weird. It's amazing. It's amazing.
1: (laughs) And he he never would have even known that he was a podcast guy until.
0: I had to like explain to him, but now he's like, oh, I get it now. (laughs) I get this. But I mean, think, think about the service that we're doing, right? Right. I mean, we're just, we're taking this and we're proliferating it. So it's maybe somebody in Mobile, Alabama listens and says, you know what? I can, I can be a rower and I'm going to go to Yale next year. And I didn't even know I even had a, like a river to do this, (laughs) but, uh, um, um, what do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go and ultimately where do you want to go as a coach?
1: Um, that's a great question. I, you know, when I was young, I, I really wanted to coach in the NBA. And then when I had that college experience, I was like, man, I just, I don't, I, I just want to be in college. I just want to coach college kids. And then I kind of, I would love to get back into the college game. I, it's kind of hard to say what the ultimate goal is. My ultimate goal is to just really is to just develop as many relationships with these players as I can and see them grow and see them go on to great things. Like you know, like a Jordan Riley, who I've you know only worked with for like a year, but he's going to Georgetown, and you know. Uh, all these people who I worked with at Stony Brook that are now playing in Spain and Israel and all these places, um, I I think I, li- I like I like the personal training route and to have a place like Sousa and an owner like Darren, the owner of the building, who's so gracious and you know gives us court time and allows us to, you know to have some freedom with what we're doing and he's not you know up our butts saying you need to work on this. Da, 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 da. It's like no, he he trusts people like myself and Mark Riley, who's another tremendous supporter. Uh, you know I'm a huge supporter of his and he's a supporter of mine um, you know, he allows us that freedom to work on, you know, what we know these kids need to work on. And, uh, I, if we, if I could, you know, someday own a facility like this or be a partner in a facility like this and make enough money to have a nice little living and have a house and a little family and be able to do this my whole life, you know, I'd be a happy man. I don't, you know, I wouldn't need the millions of dollars. I don't need all that, but, you know, to just be able to work with kids and, you know, young people and try to teach the game. That's, I think that's just always, that's the ultimate goal is to just continue teaching the game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think that your, your intentions are pure. And of course, I just think if you keep doing what you're doing, you're, we're, we're going to meet somewhere. Oh, I right? it, they feel like we're going to both be going to oh, be sure. yelling me at a division yeah. one sideline or something like that. That would um, be the goal for sure. <laughs> if you can try to describe what is the most stickiest situation that you've ever had as a coach so far?
1: Stickiest situation I've had as a coach, man, that's tough. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's a sticky situation. Probably the most difficult situation I had to deal with was one of my players, her it, – technically it wasn't her sister, but it was, like, her best – her sister's best friend, so it was essentially her sister. Uh, her sister's friend died, like, in the middle of our season, and this is, like, one of my best players. And the kid comes in, and she's, like – she didn't tell us what was wrong, first of all, so she was, like, hysterical, crying, like, 15 minutes into practice, and we're, like, what the hell is going on here? And then she explains it to us, and it's, like – It was I I was floored. I had no idea what to do. I didn't I didn't even know what to tell her. And so, you know, I tried to console her the best I could. We ended up getting through that day. And I give Rico Hans a lot of credit. I, you know, I've named him a few times, but I he's one of those people. I literally called him the second I got out of practice. And I left him a quick message. I was like, hey, coach, you know, I I got I need to bend you here for a second. I got a situation here. Called me back within like 15 minutes. He was like, what's going on, man? Like, what can I do? And I told him, and he really helped me through that because when we were at St. John's, one of our other best players had his brother die while we were there, and that was something that him and the coaching staff had to deal with, you know, in that situation. And he really helped me walk through, uh, you know, walk me through what he did and what I might be able to do for her and just how to how to help her out and, you know, be there for her. And you know, I it ended up being okay. And you know, after like a few days, you know, she came back to us, and things kind of got back to normal. But it was it was not an easy situation. You know, you never you go into a a basketball season, you don't you never imagine that you're gonna have to deal with something like that. You know, a couple weeks in, and it's it was kind it was pretty crazy to be honest. For those like few days, it was stressful, and it's not even my you know it wasn't my family. I didn't I didn't have a brother that died or a sister that died, so it was tough. But you know, to be able to be there for her uh, was a big thing for me. And, you know, again, that's one of the people that I still have a relationship with. I still, you know, she hits me up on Instagram every, every now and again, she tells me happy birthday every year, stuff like that. So, you know, the, that was probably the, that's the one that sticks out in my mind.
0: Man, you got some good answers, man. And, <laughs> you know, what? I, I started thinking that's like, true, <laughs> I remember, um, when I was in college, this girl was like, I was trying to date her. And she's like, and I'm from Baldwin. So she's like, um, yeah, I live in Greenlaw. And I'm like, what's that? And this was like before like GPS. So I remember she would like get on Jericho Turnpike, which is not the, the Chaminade Jericho oh, Turnpike no, that I no, know. No, no, no. Even though it's the no, same Jericho yeah. Turnpike, oh, but yeah. it's like, I've never yeah. been this far. Yeah. Make a left on, and I remember this verbatim, make a left on Clay Pitts Road. <laughs> but then when I think about Clay Pitts Road, it's like Locust Valley. Right. But that just goes to show like you're willing to do anything. And you've had such... Great twists and turns, plot twists of your your college career, your your high school career as a coach. If you could pinpoint it. one thing, what do you think is your best moment thus far as a, a basketball coach? Man,
1: best moment this far. Uh, one of my favorite moments for sure was when you know this is kind of superficial, but when we were at Glen Cove, when we clinched our league title that was huge for us because we only had nine kids on our team that year like we couldn't even scrimmage five on five in practice like I would have to hop in and my assistant would have to hop in and you know we we didn't get any respect from anybody because you know I was 20 I don't know five at the time 26 at the time my assistant was 22 and our combined age was less than all the other head coaches
0: kids coaching we kids
1: yeah kids coaching kids yep. so we didn't get a lot of respect my kids didn't get a lot of respect and we weren't expected to do that well and i ended up having this girl Grace Brady who you know to this day is one of the best high school players i've ever seen she averaged a triple double points rebounds and blocks and somehow didn't get player of the year in our conference you know i i, I could go on for an hour about her um, but when we really clinched that 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 league title, it was that was really rewarding to us, and you know we went out, we had a big dinner, and it was that was one of the one of the most rewarding for sure. It was, and then seeing another one, uh, seeing these kids, I can name like four or five of them off the bat, like Jacob Petrus, Ju- uh Junior Santel, my brother Lucas Woodhouse, all these guys that ended up leaving college that we were working with and ended up signing pro contracts, like that was. You know, I'm not the one signing the pro contract. I'm not getting paid, you know, but to see these kids fulfilling their dreams is, and to know I had a small part in that is like ecstasy, man. It's like just seeing them, even as simple as seeing them post the picture on Instagram, like signing their first contract, it's just like, man, like takes you off your feet almost. And, you know, those are the two big things that really stick out to me.
0: That's good, man. And um, I would be remiss if I didn't um, ask you about, I'm always seeing you with the retro drip, man. <laughs> What's, um, what professional sport Out of football, basketball, hockey, and baseball, what do you think has the best logo? And what is like your favorite piece that you have? What's your favorite logo? My God,
1: my favorite logo! It kills me that I don't have one. I'm I'm searching for a nice jersey for this. The the Islanders fisherman logo. Oh, I got one of those. Oh my God, that's my era. I I know. And and even you know, that's like one of the first logos I remember was like a little kid. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Polarizing at the time, oh, though. I
1: know, and I, I looked into it, and I saw they got sued over it. Cause I, yeah. and then I looked into it; it does kind of look like hey, the fish. Sticks. The like, image really and likeness, is. Like, yeah, image it and really, likeness. Is. Like they yeah. low key stole that for sure. But it looks so damn good. It is. And I love that, and you know, it's it's an Islander thing. It's a Long Island thing. Like that's that's what we have. That's that's the one pro sport we got, and that that's the big thing to me. My favorite piece I have is, uh, I have a puffy starter. It's a St. John's Redmen logo. It's from like ninety eight or something like that. It's old as hell. Mm. I must've actually been earlier than that. It must've been like early nineties because they changed the name, but Mm. it was as soon as I saw it, I think I paid like $200. I was, I I bought it as a birthday present to myself and I was like, it's over. This is mine. This is coming with me. And it's got like the, it actually doesn't. It doesn't have, like, the old Indian head logo. It just says SJU with the red men underneath it on the back.
0: Fire. Oh, my God. I Fire. I
1: love it. It's, like, it's my favorite thing.
0: Yeah, anymore. I used to have one when I was, like, eight years old, the St. John's Red Storm <laughs> oh my God. sweatshirt. That definitely doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> um, but two of my favorite pieces is when I was in fifth grade, I used to be, like, the biggest Buffalo Bills fan. I still have one of the sports specialty hats. Like, it's, like, yeah. it's like off white. It's, like, off red now because <laughs> it's, it's like, so old. It's almost 30 years old. Oh my I got yeah. it at Herman's at Roosevelt Theater.
1: I got a Buffalo Bills starter jacket for you. Do here. you? Oh my God, dude. I bought it. Uh, excuse me. I just got it in the city like a couple of weeks ago. With, with up, the pocket in the middle, uh, like kangaroo, with the velcro? Kangaroo, kangaroo pouch, Love
0: man. that. Love that. Kangaroo and then.
1: Pouch. I got that for you. That'll be my gift to you. I got you. Oh,
0: I appreciate I that, you. man. Of course, man. Damn. So I, I, was, I wanted to tell you this that, um you know, unfortunately, when I was in fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, and seventh grade, my. Favorite team in the whole wide world, the Buffalo Bills. Kept losing in the Super Bowl, oh, which is probably God. the worst time as four a like a, a, a row, sports right? fan. Well, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> when you're 10 yeah, and your team. See, the, the Super Bowl's worse because it's like you got the two weeks to talk shit <laughs> only for them to lose, then they gotta go on Monday, like what happened? What yeah. happened to your team? Four, uh-huh. four years in a row. That's tough. So um as as the story would go, I picked a team after that. I was like, I can't I can't root for them. I, I'm gonna <laughs> pick a team that doesn't have any history. And the reason why I'm saying this is because my son was born when the Ravens won the second Super Bowl. Oh, I've been a day God. one Ravens fan. And, um, you know, what's crazy is I have a Baltimore Ravens hat before they settled on a logo. Wow. So it's like Ravens, but it's like kind of like a bird. Oh, the Ravens are talking. in there. Oh, it was so like tough. the first year when they yeah. didn't really have oh, what was going that. on. That's I like my favorite that. piece. That's amazing. So that I Buffalo I, Bills hat and the Ravens I, hat.
1: I, I, man, I wish I had some Ravens gear. Like my... I loved Ray Lewis and Jamal Lewis. When Madden 05 came is out, there? when they put the hit stick in Madden with Ray Lewis, that yeah. was like, for like five or six years after that, I was like the biggest Ravens fan. 05 was a rough year for us. It, was, it was tough. <laughs> it it yeah. was tough.
0: But I've seen two Super Bowls in my lifetime, and, and I'm definitely not celebrating off of one win like the no. Jets, which oh is God. like a, no a, a, a prevalent thing out here in Long Can Island. You but... Can you imagine
1: <laughs> losing that? Losing out on the number one pick like that? I,
0: well, the season's okay. not over, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll but see. My final question to you, basketball has brought you so many opportunities. I mean, if it had not been for basketball, we both, we haven't even seen each other like with a ball being yeah, dribbled, but seriously. like we obviously have a great connection, man. And I thank right. you. Um, what does basketball mean to you? What is it given to you in your life?
1: Man, happiness is one of the biggest things. It's been an escape for me ever since I was in, you know, seventh, eighth grade. That was one of the things that Jerry taught me he was like, you know, it should be it shouldn't be a thing that you feel bad doing like you shouldn't you know you should enjoy going out in the driveway and getting shots up or working on your game or you know if your girl breaks up with you all right go out you know go throw on your headphones go get 100 shots up go get a couple 100 shots up you know it, sh- it should be a like a release for you almost like a like an escape kind of thing i and i think that it's been that any any t- tough time i've gone through in my life i've always kind of come back to the basketball and you know being in an empty gym you know, being able to tune out whatever's going on in the world or whatever's going on in your life. I think that's been a huge thing for me. And, you know, my brother, I'll tell you, he would tell you the same exact thing. And my family, you know, sports has always been that kind of release and it's, you know, it's brought me so much, so much joy and happiness. It's taken me to, I got to go to Italy and Germany with the Stony Brook basketball team on their Europe trip. You know, it's, it's taken me here, there and everywhere. And I've gotten to meet so many different people and, Man, it's it's been a, such a blessing to me and my family and I, you know, I I'm sure people feel that way about all, you know, some there's people that feel that way about lacrosse and soccer and all that stuff, but man, it's from the second I, you know, remember really developing a love for working on my game, it's just been that for me, man. It's just to this day, you know, I'm 28 years old, but I love to go work on stuff on the court so so that I know I can teach it properly and stuff like that. So you know, it's it's always like a sanctuary for me. I think sanctuary would be the biggest word I could use to describe it. It's just a place you can go to and you know, be be alone or be yourself, and you know, being able to tune everything out. Man, it's invaluable. Invaluable is the word.
0: Man, I might have to holler at you because I think I'm trying to rework my jump shot since I can't ref <laughs> hey, since let's, I'm let's since I'm not a Division One or an NBA ref. <laughs> I'm kind of out of work right now, hey, so man. maybe I, I just want to reconnect hey, because. Let's do it. I kind of want to get into the adult league thing, but I don't want to be me. I want to be a shell of myself, like yeah, a mock mood. Yeah. I hear you. Just, just shooting you. some jimmies on the yeah, side. I That's all. I, but man, yo, I thank you, man. I think you're a rebar- remarkable Dude. young man. Thank you so uh, I think your future's bright with coaching. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? No,
1: man, I just, I'm so thankful for having me on. I appreciate it. You know, you're the man, you know, in the short time we've known each other, we've got, you know, tremendous connection. I love you. You know, uh, being at this facility, man, it's shout out to Darren, shout out to Sousa, Kaplan, All these people, man. I know I'm forgetting other people, but, you know, just trying to put on for the people that have helped us. You know what I mean? You know, trying to – all the people that have believed in us over the years. You know what I mean? You can't quit. You can't quit. Otherwise, it ends up being for nothing.
0: Yeah, man. Keep that energy up, man. Everyone loves it, man. And for Coach, Coach Woody, Mike Woodhouse, this is Ralph the Ref. This is The Rant. We are signing out. Peace.
1: Appreciate it.